Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. You know, if you build a better business, you'll be a better architect. You'll have more time, more money, more resources to be the architect you always wanted to be. Well, a better business starts with planning for profit. Download our free course today, Profit for Small Firm Architects, at entrearchitect.com slash free course. You are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, and this is episode 206. Welcome back to Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark R. LePage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, you're in the process of launching a startup, or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference every day. This podcast is for you. My goal here is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. Vision, mission, goals, hiring, culture, business systems, planning. These are all critical elements of a successful business. And you've heard me before. I've shared here at Entree Architect Podcast in the past on how to organize all these elements into a powerful business plan. And many of you have still not successfully planned out your success, right? You're still not being intentional about how you're going to get to where you want to be, right? Well, maybe we need to take a different approach. Maybe we need to use some of the skills that we already have, we already possess. Maybe we need 
to be a little more creative, to use the creative side of our brains, the, the artist in us all, to see our firms from a different perspective. This week, this is going to be great. This week at Entree Architect Podcast, Business by Design. Organize your business beautifully using six proven principles of design. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, RCAT, Gusto, FreshBooks, and Core by BQE Software. And I'm going to share more about these great companies a little bit later in the show. But before we get started, just take a quick note to go visit these companies and let them know that you appreciate them for supporting us here at the podcast. Because when they support us, they're supporting you, the Entree Architect community. Jane Walton, welcome back to Entree Architect Podcast. Very nice to be back here with you. It's great to have you back here. Let me just let the uh, the listeners here know a little bit about you. You're, you're, this is your second time back. Um, you've been here before, episode 88. Um, we talked about burnout, burnout for architects. It's a, it's a great episode. It was uh, inspiring and sort of uh, helped me sort of my person personally dive deep into what I was doing and, and the time. I think that's probably where that conversation came from something yeah. I, I was dealing with and it was a great conversation so anybody that's sort of uh in that mode right now that's a great episode to go back to sort of feeling a little burned out a little exhausted with what you're doing go back to episode 88 at entrearchitect.com slash episode 88 and and learn a little bit about that uh for today jane jane's a published author a public speaker and a trained uh executive coach with a master's degree in human resource uh, resources management training and development she has developed and facilitated numerous programs focused on leadership, team effectiveness, and change management specific to architecture and engineering firms. And you can hear her entire origin story, where she came from, and how she has architecture in her blood. Uh, she comes from an architecture family back in episode 88. We're not going to go through that here today, uh, but definitely go check that other episode. And taking inspiration from the art world, Jane will discuss today about how you can design your firm beautifully by utilizing the basic principles of design organization. So she's talking about business from a from the point of view of, of design with focal point, contrast, scale, unity, movement, rhythm, all those things. She's developed a new program called Business by Design, and that's why I've invited Jane back today. I wanna talk about business by design and how we can sort of use the, the thinking that we already do as architects with this sort of design thinking, but apply it to business. Um, so, Jane, welcome back, and uh, let's get into this. Great. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, I kind of came, I, I've been thinking about design as I work with designers, um, architects, and even engineers as designers, too. Um, you know, I'm just always in awe and watching them problem solve and put exquisitely thought through, you know, buildings and structures together. And... Um, so I'm sort of interested in this idea of, um, and, and in this case, I'm using artists, although some of the vernacular that you just heard, you know, is something that's familiar in the architecture industry. And so how do we use some of those principles that you guys are pretty intimate with and, but, but twisting it a little bit and looking at uh, designing your firm. So that's the idea of it. I work with a lot of firms and sometimes they're 
focused a little too much externally and not internally or too much internally, not enough externally. And so what is that sort of perfect balance and what are those pieces that um, really need to be thought through nicely, you know, and it's really, I think when I look at these, these um, parts of design, it's a perfect balance of vision, partnership, both internally and externally and execution. And that's kind of where I'm, I'm coming from with this concept. So t talk about a little bit. I mean, we, as architects, we're all, we're all consider ourselves artists. Mm -hmm. um, some of us consider ourselves only artists and, and forget the business part of things, which is why I do what I do to remind them that we need to focus on the profit end as, as well. Um, yes. but, but take us through that, the process that you've come up with that, that, cause I, this is fascinating. I think that, that because we are already thinking from that point of view, I think it may be easier for architects to sort of get to the business fundamentals and the things that they really need to be focusing on, whether it's internally or externally, if they can apply some of these uh, skills and strengths that they already have as designers. Um, so to walk us through this, so if somebody came to you and said, okay, I need to, I need to solve some of the issues that I'm dealing with, what, what are some of the steps that you take them through? You know, it, it, it all starts with focal points. So with an artist as they're getting ready to put, um, a piece together. What's the fo main focal point of the, the piece of art? That's really where they start. And I think for architects and architecture firms, they really need to think through that. So they may say, I want to do, you know, uh, contemporary residential. I want to do healthcare. I want to do civic nonprofit, whatever that might be. It's really thinking through that. I, a lot of times I'll, I'll see that folks, um, what they say on their website, which sounds really good, might be very different from what's actually going on internally. So the question is, why is that disconnect? And I even had a, a pretty senior architect say, you know, if the leader of our firm knew that I wasn't doing what we say we do, uh, it was a kind of a human performance integrative design type of thing, that, you know, a lot of the projects I'm getting, we're just not doing that. I'm, I'm kind of afraid he'd fire me. But the reality is, you know, they're taking projects that don't fit this, um, you know, a very aspirational piece of their firm. Um, and, you know, do you say no to those things or do you have a uh, continuum that you say, you know, may not be all that we want to do, but here it is. But people internally need to know because they are hired with this aspiration. They look at your website first to find out, you know, if they want to talk to you and come on board and, and same with um, clients. But, you know, if you say you're something, for instance, some may say they're very, they're, they're on the cutting edge of technology. And the question is, if you want to be in that space, are you going to invest properly um, to do that and get the level of talent to be able to do that? So part of it is just being really clear with the focal point and that gets into the contrast which is the second part is to really kind of test that out. Is that really, you know, for, for what it's going to take to get to your aspiration, is that really where you want to be? Um, some people want to grow just for growth's sake. Um, so it's really the focal point and, and really a lot of going through each of these pieces might take you back to focal point um, to test that out. Right. So when you're talking about focal point, are you talking about um, a, a target market or are you talking about a, a philosophy of practice or, it's, or it's, both? 
it's um, it's, it can be a little bit of both because certainly both of those mix in, but it's saying, here's, here's um, the work we do and, uh, and the work we can do. Um, So it's being clear on, you know, I, I, I see firms take on work that they really don't want to do, but they're afraid of they pass it by. Yeah. Um, that's going to be a problem. And, and then they end up on these projects that they just really don't like um, and aren't driving their vision and, and strengthening their skills of, you know, where they want to be. It's, it, it can be a, a risk. But the more focused you are on that, the more words going to get around to um in, in the community and with clients. So, um, it's just being really intentional and really clear on here's really what we want to be about. And here's who we want to, um, where's, here's how we want to make an impact. Now, then you have to go back with the contrast. So the contrast is, you know, testing that focal point. What are your client's expectations? What's the market like right now? What are industry conditions that may support or not support that? Uh, and what kind of competition do you have? Um, for instance, you know, a, a specialist is more likely to have a national focus because they're very specialized. A generalist has a tendency to be more local because they're a generalist. Um, and so it's really kind of getting clear on where, where, what arena you want to, to land there because that's going to drive your actions. It's going to drive your decisions. It's going to drive your investments. Um, and I think sometimes, and I'm a small business owner, we can get spread pretty thin. Um, and so are you spread thin on really good stuff or are you spread thin on a lot of so-so stuff? Um, and is that confusing? You, t- you told me about, um, which I, I took your lead on, um, the gentleman that does some work, I should remember it, Mark, um, on uh, being really clear on your marketing piece. Yes, story brand. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I within two hours, redid my whole website yeah. after. And that's exactly what I was thinking stuff. when you were talking about focal point. Yeah. It's, it's Donald Miller, uh, is the, is the leader of, of that. And it's, um, the podcast is building a story brand. Um, and the website is story, uh, mm-hmm. And he talks about clarifying your message. And when you were talking yeah. about focal point, that's really what I'm getting uh, from what you're saying is that you need to understand who you are and what you do and, and, and how you do it. And then really clearly and very, very, very simply be able to communicate that to everybody, to your clients yeah. and to your, your, your employees and uh, to your consultants and everybody. Um, it's, it's sort of rolling your brand into your target market, into your, your storytelling. Mm-hmm. It's all sort of one thing, uh, but it needs to be really clear and, and you're calling it a focal point. That's a very good um, uh, description of that. It's sort of taking all those things, because I talk about target market all the time, uh, mm-hmm. that, that we should be focusing on something that we're really good at, something we're really, we really like, and something that we can become known for as an expert. Yes. Yes. Um, and that's a piece of what you're talking about with Focal yes. Point. Because I think yeah. it, when I asked before whether it was philosophy or, or more marketing, it's, it's both, it's everything. It's mm-hmm. what you're talking about. The whole package. It's who you yeah, are. Yeah, it's interesting. I met with a, an architect, um, probably we, they've been 25 years in business and, um, and I think he had about five to seven people in his firm, um, made it through the recession, you know, did, does, um, did a lot of different stuff, but what he was really interested in, and he called it the state that he lives in that state modern is, is the style that he wanted. I don't want to give it away, but, um, 
he, you know, using materials that are found in that area, using the light that's, you know, uh, where that works and climate. And I told him, I said, I live in a beautiful um, contemporary home that would be perfect in LA, but it's horrible in the Midwest <laughs> because the materials they chose are a nightmare. I mean, it's not set up for, you know, it, it frosts on the inside of the windows, but the windows are cool, you know? So I said, you know, you're really onto something and why, and why not just market the heck out of that? But he was sort of getting really busy with this other stuff. So it was sort of help him get back to that focal point, um, where I think it's, certainly a differentiator for him and something he's incredibly passionate about. Yeah. And then you talk about contrast and that's sort of what, what you talked about that a little, what explain yeah. that again. So once you have your focal point and you know what that is, that you've sort of decided this is who I am. This is what I mm -hmm. want to represent. This is what I want to, this is the story I want to tell to my, to my world. Um, mm -hmm. Then what do you do with that? With so part of it is, you know, testing it. So do the clients understand? I worked with, um, uh, some brilliant uh, landscape architects and we're doing their sort of elevator spiel with the team. Yeah. And at the end I said, okay, so I said, so if I was on the elevator with the, all of you, all, I would say, these are really, really smart people. And then I would say, but I have no idea what they just told me because <laughs> they were using their, you know, their vernacular that, um, but anyway, it was, you know, test it with the clients. Are they going to understand it when you speak it or do you need to speak? you know, uh, introduce it differently. So get out there and see, um, if it's something that people get kind of excited about or they're just glossy eyed over. So, um, and you know, if it's going to cost more, are they, would they go for that? Um, you know, what is the market right now? So depending on which, you know, if, if you're in a specific market, where's it going, where's, you know, education going these days, is more money going to be have to go into, K through 12 or, you know, more online, less uh, for university, less folks um, coming over on visas. So, you know, what is the marketing and then industry conditions on, um, you know, I, I look at that to see how stressed, how, how, um, uh, you know, we, we hear crunching of timelines and, and fees and, you know, how does that fit into it? And then competition, you know, who else is out there? It's interesting after the recession to see which firms are just quietly you're not hearing about. And then these new up and comers that you're starting to see everywhere. So what's going on with the competition out there and how do you, you know, get your, um, how's your brand compared to that? So it's just looking at it to say, is this still a really, really good idea? Yeah. So once you have your story and your mm -hmm. focal point, and now you need to get it out there. So how are you going to tell that story? How, right. how, how are you going to make sure that that story is the right story? Because right. you might have a great story. It might be a wonderful story to tell, but nobody wants it. And so you yeah. want to make sure that there's a market for it. Absolutely. Um, and, you, and you want to make sure that the story that you're telling is, is being absorbed, is being received properly, that, mm -hmm. that you said to test it. So you should you know, try different ways of telling your story when you're talking with, maybe when you go for interviews for new projects or when you're meeting people and they're asking you who you are, mm -hmm. try different ways of telling that story about your focal point and see which ones are resonating, which ones are getting the questions back from the person that you're talking about, which ones are getting, getting them excited and clearly they understand what you're talking about because you said about how, you know, many times architects will talk over someone's head that they they... They sound really good. Like you said, they sound really smart, 
but we have no idea what they said. And right. so by contrast is testing and, and making sure that it works, proving that, that, the, that the market's there uh, and doing all those, those things to make sure that, uh, that their focal point and the story is the right one that, that you should be focusing on. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, the, the architect who had the modern idea of the yeah. state, modern, you know, we talked about, because I had a, a little book that I put together. It's more kind of a book. It's very visual. It's, you know, square. It's, um, uh, it didn't take a lot to produce. But, you know, do you, do you put a book together and you're out talking about it? But, you know, different ways to sort of introduce the idea to folks. But then the next thing, once you're really, really clear on that, then scale is the next thing that you look at. Yeah. So how deep or how wide do you need to be to execute on the focal point? Um, and is, is that where you decide whether you go local or, or regional or, or global? Or is that sure. more in contrast? No, absolutely. So, you know, the continuum, when you look at a generalist versus a specialist, yeah. um, and so, uh, you know, where do you want to, you know, to fall in that? And, and these days it's also just creating that, um, the brand out there to make that awareness, but how deep or wide. So, you, you know, when you look at the talent that you need to bring into your organization or you need to partner in, um, you know, are you going to need some pretty good technical generalists or are you going to need some people who are very, very specialized? So that's going to really um, determine um, where your education's going and, you know, research and um, individuals that you might be bringing in, what you need uh, to balance out and be able to execute on these. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, just to remind our listeners, we're talking about design principles, right? Focal point, right. contrast, scale, unity movement, rhythm, these are all things that we're familiar with from a design point of view or from an artistic point of view. Um, so how do we apply those to, to business? So we're talking about focal point and contrast and scale. So you can kind of take the things that you already know in design and how do you apply them to business? So scale is what do you, once you, once you know your story and, and you have this tested and you know it's the right market and you have the marketing all figured out, now, you know, how, how do you get it out there and who do you get it out to? Uh, and how do you and build an organization around that? Absolutely, because you really have to be intentional. I talked to um, uh, a firm recently, and they're, oh, about three years in and have been adding staff. But they've been adding staff really haphazardly. But if they really thought through yeah. their focal point, where they want to go, then they would have a much clearer message to um people they're interviewing and questions that they're asking and what kind of talent and experience. So they have this, this huge hodgepodge that really isn't quite working right now because they just didn't think through this piece of it. Yeah. You need to go through focal point and contrast before you get the scale. So mm -hmm. you, so you know who you are and what you are and, and, and what you want to do and how you want to do it. Now you need to build a team around that. Right. And, and like if you just, if you start with, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing architecture and I'm frazzled and I have too much to do. So let's go hire mm -hmm. somebody, um, and then hire somebody else and then hire somebody else. You're growing, but you're not being strategic. You're not being intentional Absolutely. about who you're hiring and, and you don't know those, uh, the strengths of those people. Mm -hmm. Um, because if you know the strength of each person that you're hiring, how does that go back to your focal point and your contrast, um, as you're, as you are bringing on new people that, you know exactly what they're going to do and how they can add to the development of your focal point. 
Yeah, because the bigger, you know, the, when you're small, you need more, you know, people who can do everything. And then as you get bigger, you need people who are more specialized. The other thing scale does is sometimes you get to scale and you say, okay, I like my focal point. I've tested it out. And you go to scale and you go, do I really want to have 20, 15, 20 employees? You know, what is my life going to yeah. be like? And do I want that? Then they mo may go back and look at that a little bit differently too. Because uh, I hear sometimes people like, I want to be a firm of, we want to triple in size. Well, why? Why do you want to triple in size? And let's think through what that does to your focal point um, and going back through contrast. All of these sort of tested out a little bit. Certainly scale does. Um, because if, if it doesn't feel right as, you, as you're talking through and thinking through this, you might have to go back and tweak your focal point. Yeah. It's all this great way of just testing through aspiration versus reality versus, you know, mental capacity right, and right. physical capacity. Yeah. I have a lot of members in the, in our community, Entree Architect community that, that are sole practitioners, mm -hmm. love being sole practitioners. They love the mm -hmm. freedom and the flexibility that that brings them. But at the same time, um, they may wish that they were doing a certain type of architecture or or, or have more freedom to do just the, the design. And when they, when they hear that in order to get to that level, they need to grow, then mm. there's a conflict. You know, yeah. that they want to stay sole practitioners, but they want to yeah. do the architecture of a big firm. Um, yeah. And you need to, in contrast probably, in, that, in this section of contrast, you need to figure that out. You need to figure out, you know, if this focal point requires this type of firm, Mm -hmm. When you get the scale, you're going to have to start growing to that type of firm. Is that what you want? And like you said, if it's, if it's not, then you need to go back to focal point and readjust what your focal point is. Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, RCAT, Gusto, FreshBooks, and Core by BQE Software. Are you the BIM jockey at your firm? Are you used to the grind of using broad search engines or searching manufacturer sites only to find that they don't even have BIM? Are you wrestling with outdated or poorly built objects when you do find them? Well, it's time to use RCAT.com. RCAT is a free library. It has over 7,500 BIM objects and systems, all available in multiple file formats. It's what you're looking for. And even better, each object is a high quality BIM based on actual manufacturer products. It's accurate. You don't even have to register for these. Just head over to entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. That's A-R-C-A-T, entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. That'll let them know that you came from us at Entree Architect and start downloading the BIM objects that you need today. Payroll and benefits. You love them? No, they're hard, especially when you're a small business. You don't have the time to be an expert in things like taxes and regulations, right? We're all in that mode right now with taxes and regulations. The old school payroll providers that some of us are using, they just, they're not built for the way that we work today. Gusto, our friends at Gusto, they're making payroll and benefits and, and human resources easy for us small businesses. Modern technologies, they do all the heavy lifting, so it's easy for us to get it right. 
You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service for your team. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners here at Entree Architect Podcast exclusive limited time deal, right? Sign up today and you'll get three months free, three months. That's long enough to figure this thing out, right? Three months free once you run just one payroll. Just go to entrearchitect.com slash gusto, G-U-S-T-O, and claim your free three months of payroll processing right now. entrearchitect.com slash gusto. FreshBooks makes it simple to send invoices, post your expenses automatically, track your time for your whole team, buy project, and get organized with reports, communication, and notifications. They do everything. My favorite feature in FreshBooks is the automated invoice reminders. I love this. I think that sending invoices and getting paid is one of the biggest barriers to our success as an entrepreneur architect. If we're not sending invoices, we're not getting paid. FreshBooks makes it easy to send out invoices and get paid online with the click of a button. And when your client doesn't pay you on time, FreshBooks will send them a friendly email reminder through a simple system that you have full control of. I love this. Sign up for a free 30-day unrestricted trial and get paid faster. Get the simplest way to be more productive, to get organized, and most importantly, like I said, get paid faster. Visit entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks to access FreshBooks for free for 30 days and be sure to enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. One of the most often requested resources here at the Entree Architect community is project management software. The whole, how do we manage our projects? How do we keep our projects and our people organized while we grow as entrepreneur architects? Today's podcast is sponsored by BQE Software, the makers of the award-winning BQE Core. It's their new product. Core puts project management, business intelligence, billing, time and expense tracking, and accounting together in one intuitive, powerful platform. It's a beautiful system. I've seen it work. There's a demonstration uh, on our on our website. You should go check it out with its cloud platform and their mobile app. Core lets you manage people, projects, and profits from anywhere in the world. Get your fully functional 15-day trial of Core by going to entrearchitect.com slash BQE. That's entrearchitect.com slash BQE. Go check it out right now. RCAT, Gusto, FreshBooks, and Core by BQE Software. Go visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. Because you're going to do an awfully lot of work to, with marketing, with focus and all that. You want to have that figured out before you start doing all that and go, geez, I don't know if this is what I want. Um, so I think it is, it's, it's understanding. And sometimes with, you know, as I coach folks is to understand why not big. I mean, I've intentionally stayed small. It's interesting. My dad had, of course, in the day was called a draftsman, but it's just the two of them. He didn't want any more than that. Um, and he would have quite frankly been horrible with more than that. Um, cause he was such a kind of a control, um, and kind of a personality. So, um, 
yeah, I think it's just being being real with that. Yeah, and I th I think a lot of soul practitioners become very frustrated because they don't they don't accept the realities of being a soul practitioner. Yeah, and they and they want to do this bigger work and more exciting and be published and do all this other things that come with mm -hmm. a larger firm and a bigger team, but they don't want the larger firm and the bigger team. Right. And then they, they live and they don't even get so far as to, to analyze it, to realize that that's what's happening. Right. And they just live a life of frustration that they, that they can't be what they want to be because they need to pick. Yes. I think what you said, you need to say again, because I feel that and I, and I see that and it's, I think the great dilemma of sole proprietors. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so much, there's so much good in being a sole practitioner. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's the flexibility and the freedom and the, uh, the integrated life that you can have as a sole practitioner yes. is there's so much value there and, and you can provide tremendous value to the world as a sole practitioner, mm -hmm. but there's reality. There's, there are realities to that. There are limits to that. And when yes. you, when you acknowledge that that's who you are and that's what you want to be, and you're going to be the best practitioner, sole practitioner that you can be within the limits of what that can be, you'll have such a better life. You'll, I agree. you'll, you'll live I better. Agree. Your, your practice will be stronger. Your, your, the, the contribution to the world will be better because you're not constantly fighting with yourself to become something that you really don't want to become. Yeah. Oh man. That's very important. So, so that's, that's all part of those first three pieces, focal point, contrast, scale, and then you get into unity. What's unity? So unity, when I look at, um, so it's, it's the, defined as the elements that have a logical relationship to the pro progression and results. So if you think of uh, finding a project concept to design to execution and all, uh, that unity piece of it. Um, needs to people need to understand what that looks like you know especially people that come into you know as you think of of hiring a person um you know is this um do we communicate a lot do we communicate little and you need to um you know uh take this on your own uh we're very fast paced we're very you know deep in research we're what is the sort of expectation um, as you look at the unity piece of it, I actually use Southwest Airlines as an example through all of these because they're just people are familiar with them. Yeah. Um, but with them, with the unity, um, they all have common goals and they know they have, you know, um, safety on time deliver uh, on time departure and customer experience. And they know at any one moment in anything that's going on what trumps what and how we make a decision. We're not going to hold a plane for a person, but we're going to treat them really well. We're there. So they have this unity. I mean, they're, if you, if on time and turn quick turnarounds important, there's everyone jumps in and helps, um, versus, you know, another airline that might have, you know, someone that comes in and does that. Their pilots will come out and help clean up the place because they know on time. So the unity piece of it is here's how we work together. Yeah. Um, and here's the cadence and rhythm, um, that, uh, that we want to have as we're working. So we, um, you know, we communicate a lot up front to make sure everything's clear and people understand. And then we let you do your own thing. But how does that work? How is that logical relationship of progression? Um, you know, we make a decision and we move on it. We don't change it unless this and this comes up. But how does that work so things flow? When I look at, you know, firms that 
that I work with and how much rework and the slowdown and all this, that's because this, these elements aren't in place to make sure that this process uh, and this project's moving really well. So that needs to be really defined and understood and thought through. I think people, especially leaders, have an idea of it, but they don't really think through it and describe it. So people come in trying to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I, in, for my firm, I have in my business plan, I have a, a, a statement of values mm-hmm. and I have a culture statement. And, oh. and so I have, I, I sort of define what, what I want my culture to be. And then mm-hmm. that, that's where when you're talking about uh, um, uh, Southwest Airlines, how they, kn- everybody knows what they should do and shouldn't do based on the, the principles and the values that are established from day one. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're hiring to that too. You know, I just Absolutely. I just also read the book um, "Delivering Happiness" by by Tony Shea of, of Zappos, and he talks about you know people asking him how does he get his customer service to be so fantastic? How do you get your customer service representatives to do the right thing at the right time? He says he hires those type of people. Yeah. He, he won't hire yeah. people who who aren't naturally gifted at doing that. Yeah. And so once you sort of go through what you want your what your personal values are because you're going to reflect those to your firm because your firm is going to be built around a lot of your own personal values and your mm-hmm. your own principles uh, yes. that, that are unchanging and and then you need to build what how is your culture going to be built around those things around your principles and your values and how do you communicate that to your team as you know when you go back down the list scale and contrast and focal point how do you how do you communicate that culture and those values and those principles to the people that you're working with. Yes. And what's interesting at Southwest is uh, they kind of call it the code, but the baggage people are trained and they want the same personality for folks who are downloading or gassing the plane. It's not just the people who have customer relation, you know, customer face. It's everyone. And they love it. I mean, everyone at every level, and they all know, they talk about, um, even as planes are coming and going, um, it, you know, we, we'll have to do another session just on on some of their thinking, because they were disruptors 40 years ago, where we're just now hearing about the idea of being a disruptor now. Um, but they hire everyone. So everyone has to be good working with folks, because they want interaction within um, their their company to be incredibly strong. Um, yes. Yeah, so the training and selection, and then they make changes pretty fast. If they, someone happened to slip through that, that, um, is struggling, um, working well with others, they, they move on that pretty quickly. Yeah. And, 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 um, Zappos has their, they actually give an option. I think it's like after two months or whatever it is, two months, they actually give the, give an employee an op- opportunity. They'll pay them to leave. Yeah, they'll say if you're not happy and you don't think that you're the right fit here, we'll pay you two thousand dollars and you can you can go on and go do something else. Um, Brilliant. They're they're actually encouraging people to to in order to sort of weed out the people that may have slipped through the process, which are very sure. few because very few slipped through the process because the process is so in, intense to to yeah. hire the right people. The other thing that Zappos does is that every single employee has worked customer service from the CEO oh, wow. all the way down you know, to the, to the, to the bottom of the organizational chart, they've all worked customer service. And so they all know how that process works because they're building their entire brand on customer service. Around that. That's really, that's great. Really. Yeah. So how can we learn from these um, companies and take some inspiration? We just, 
you know, we just think that people coming out of school know how to do it or people coming in from a different firm are going to do it the way you want. And so just being really clear and letting people sort of build that as they go, but having some, some guidelines, um, man, it's unity is huge. Yeah. And it needs to be documented. It's not just something that Mm -hmm. you want to sort of think about and say, Oh, this is where I want to go. It needs to be, you know, written down and, Mm -hmm. and finalized and, and it will evolve as your firm evolves, as you evolve, as your culture evolves. Um, but you want it to be intentional is, is, absolutely is is what Jane's talking about here. So, so in the next step is movement. What happens? Movement. So um, we kind of got into a little bit. It's it's action and direction. So the level of effort, progression, and drive necessary to support your focal point. So, you know, these days, part of it is, um, uh, are we fast and getting, you know, I look at big architecture and uh, BIG and just this crazy stuff that they're doing. It's like, how are they turning this stuff out and what are they doing? Well, their movement is fast and furious and the level of effort is, um, you know, pretty much 24 seven, uh, and, and, and at all levels into, um, you know, you look at that movement versus, you know, a Frank Gary, uh, and I'm just using these yeah. big guys as examples who are going to spend a ton of time on models and ideas. And so the movements is very different between both of them. So what is it uh, when when you come in? Are you shout, you know, get an idea and run with it or get an idea and really think through it and um, and develop it? So, you know, uh, some people can't move real fast and can't make decisions real fast and aren't comfortable, um, you know, on the fly. And if you're a type of organization type of work, you're doing that, you need to be able to hire for that. And others need more time and be very methodical. And, and, you know, some firms have that luxury, not a lot of them these days, but what is the level of action um, and direction that these folks need to understand as they're coming on board? And this is where process and systems come in too, right? Yes. Right. So, so it, it, how do you execute on the work that you do, uh, whether it's moving fast or, or thinking through a process or, but, but this is also where you'd want to start developing some systems and some processes of how you do it. So it can be documented and intentional again. Um, and, 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 and it's all based on those first four things, the focal point, contrast, scale, unity, all those things have been developed and intentional and documented. Now, how do you actually execute the work that you do? Uh, in order to in order to deliver on those other four pieces of what you've developed, very much so. Yes. And, and again, some people, you know, I I, I talked to an architect. He just came, went over to uh, joined a new firm. Uh, I think it was a mentor he had known for a while, and eventually he's going to probably take over. And and he and they have a staff, and I think the average tenure is twenty years at this place or 15, something just crazy. And movement's gonna be a real problem for him. As he goes in and where he came from, it's um, we we can't move at the pace and level that we have been, it needs to change. So his big thing isn't so much unity for them because they're very united and they know how to work together and, and who brings what to the table, but the movement piece is gonna be um, huge for him um, yeah. to, with that group. Yeah. This, it's the place where growth happens. 
You know, it, yes. it's it's yes. when you when yes. you when you're planning on scale and you've built this culture to grow, movement is where you actually grow. This is yes. where it happens. Absolutely. Um, and and uh, it's yeah. So so it's also it's where where the the growth of the business starts to happen, and that's why the 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 systems and the processes are so important uh, at this this point because um, it's it's how it's by developing those processes and those systems, it's how you're going to grow. And this is probably also a place, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is also where you start thinking about um, your your planned succession. How does this this firm grow beyond you? Yes. Right? This yes. would be where that would happen. How do you develop a, a firm and with the systems and the growth that you may have and the mm. leadership progression in order to get to the point where there are leaders who will take over from you when you get to, when they get to this point. So when you decide that you're moving on and you're retiring or you pass away or whatever happens that the firm just doesn't die because you haven't right. planned, you've, you've planned this, uh, to yes. grow, to grow beyond you. That would happen yes. in this movement section. Very much. Yes. And then the last is rhythm. And this is really kind of looking at, um, I look at this kind of more annually. So it talks, we talk about repeating elements and cycles that generate interest and organization momentum. So the rhythm is we've got the work to do, but what other things do we need to have in place that we're continuing to, um, you know, for, for some organizations we have an annual forum or um, we're going to have a retreat and go out and, you know, see what else is going on out there, study a building or, um, we have monthly meetings um, with uh, the group to let them know um, how things are going, what we need to do to course correct. Rhythm can also be cycles of uh, marketing and getting, you know, as I talked to this person with the modern stuff, I mean, he had worked with a marketing person and had a plan, hadn't, but hadn't been executing on it. So he needed to get out. And so what is the rhythm to keep interest to keep uh, growing, to keep informed. So what, this is where, you know, we, we don't get to that book we want to, we don't get to that conference we want to, but whatever it is, but this is a rhythm that we can continue to evolve our organization and get better, but we need to have these elements, um, repeating elements in place so that we're evolving and growing. Yeah. Yeah, so so it's sort of the the business cycles, both mm -hmm. long term yes. and short term. It's how yes. your your firm evolves, how your plans evolve. It's it's sort of how you go back to your focal point and your contrast every year, maybe or every yes. quarter, and uh, make sure yes. that you're 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 still on target for those things. Yeah, um, like you said, with marketing, marketing is a, is a rhythm. You have to have a, a a marketing process that leads into a sales process with a with a with a sales funnel or or a pipeline. That there's always work continuing continuously coming through the door. So when one project finishes, the other one yes. starts. Right. They don't. You don't end up with, you know, a, a bunch of projects all in the same timeline. That you have a staggered timeline. That's all intentional and yes. and, and thought out, and and cyclical. It's all. It's part of a rhythm. That it, if you look at your everything that you're doing, um, whether it's a daily basis or or a, a weekly basis or monthly or annually much of what we do as architects is 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 rhythmic that it is a yes. cycle it happens over and over and over again which then then also communicates back to movement 
because that's what's going to to tell you which systems and which processes should be developed because of these rhythms. These are the things that are happening over and over and over again. Right. It's it's part of scheduling and planning um, to make sure these things do happen intentionally. Right. Yeah. It's kind of staying on top of things um, in a nutshell. And I think for rhythm for, for architects is, is getting out there and, you know, reconnecting with old clients yeah. and getting yeah. introduced to new clients. And, you know, you're, you've got so many times a month that you're doing that or a process in place to do that. Right, monthly uh, coffees with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. also, um, you know, maybe the uh, education community. Um, uh, yes. You know, where you go ahead. Yeah. I think that's great. I, I, and you know what I would say too, I just met, um, last week with some women in design and and unity by design both chapters um here in my city uh, of architecture and i'm like i gotta get in front of these young people Hmm. um you know we just keep thinking of looking up but um they know people they're out there on the social media understanding what's going on it's like i gotta get on their radar yeah so Yeah. yeah Yeah, and so that's that's self education, educating your staff, making sure you're in the in in front of the right people, uh, yes. continuing education programs. That you know, what are you doing? Are you going to convention? Are you going to other events that sort of uh, not only uh, provide you with education, but then networking and developing in your networks will happen in that rhythm. Um, but it, but I think the key to all of these things, all all six of these steps, is 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 intention. Right. That it's all planned and documented and it's intentional. And intention is gives an ease of mind. It it it, you'll get things a little bit more in control. People will understand your clients and people who are working with you. It really it's like that idea is when you get things organized, your life's so much easier. And that's really the point of this, because, again, when I when I look through firms to see where the trouble spots were, um, they didn't have this all the way thought through. And if you have it all the way thought through and planned, um, you're, you're, you're not going to have fits of starts and, you know, then we don't hear from you or see you for a while. You, you've got it and things in place and certainly stuff gets in the way. And I would say for architects, I working with a, a larger, um, firm of folks, but I'm talking to these top people and the number of hats that they're wearing, it's like, you know, I don't know, you know, my, my first response, and I didn't say it this way to them, but you're not a very good business person. If you're trying to do all of this, you know, you're, you're killing yourself, but man, is this a detriment to the organization to be organizing it this way? Cause you're not getting anything done well. Um, so at some point, you know, you need to stop and really assess. And I think this process kind of helps assess and say, we can't wear 10 different hats because we're not going to get some of these things done. So how do we do it differently? Yeah. And then kind of look through this process. And I think when we're wearing all those hats, it's so, so often we just find ourselves there that we don't, oh. that it was never intentional. It was never, it yeah. just wasn't that we, we just, we just weren't intentional about what we had planned. 
I love this or this this idea of organizing your business. This is almost an alternative business plan. This is a different way yeah. to yes. to organize your you know a, a traditional business plan that I've taught with with Entree Architect is a traditional method of a business plan. But if you took these design principles, focal point, contrast, scale, unity, movement, rhythm, and went through the process that Jane and I just talked about and and answered those questions and documented those questions compiled it you'd have yourself a business plan yeah absolutely and one that you really get and it's yours and you know again with your vernacular and i think with artists you know in your business plan you know as i've been putting my materials together for this it's all you know pieces of art in there so there's tons of color and uh energy you know with the information and so make it that's that's going to be exciting for you and it's going to be more memorable. I think the whole point of some of this is how do how do we make this process a little bit more memorable? Yeah, imagine putting together a document like that and and making it creative as as sort of a statement of who you are and your who your firm is and then and then when you're hiring somebody or you're meeting with a client and you hand them this document and say this is who we are. This is how yes. we do it. This is oh. the, this is the process we go through. You know, it would it would be such a statement at so many levels, at a marketing level, at a at an, um, a team building level. It'd be so yes. so powerful. Yeah, I use um, Van Gogh's Starry Night to sort of kick off as I as I introduce this because it's got the movement in the sky and the stillness below, and 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 it takes your eye and a circle that just doesn't stop because you keep picking things up. So, you know, when you think of a piece of artwork that's really intentional and well thought through, it really takes the viewer through a journey. Yeah. Um, and if we could do that with our business, um, which is, I think, innate for architects, um, how much fun would that be? Yeah. And so this is a program that Jane's developed. It's called Business by Design. You can learn more about it at janewaltonconsulting.com. Um, you could connect with her there. Uh, Jane, before we wrap up, I want to ask you my question that I ask all my guests. Um, what is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? I think uh, to become a really masterful influencer um, and you know, uh, to be able to educate and inform those companies that are calling on them um, and, and, and again, in a way that, that they can understand, but, um, we need to today more than ever influence people to understand, um, the value of design and what it can do, um, for a business and for individuals. So become a strong influencer, get bone up on some in, influencing skills, uh, in a, you know, passionate, um, collective way. Yeah. And I think your process will help that as well. You know, if you I go through so. this process, you'll know better of who you are and how you can influence others. I think it'll be a, a really powerful process for people. Uh, yeah, I think. And I would say this, you know, what is if you had to flip this for your client, what their focal point is and what their movement looks like and what their, you know, you know, understanding their side will help you meet those needs, too. Yeah, it's a great first question for for anybody you meet you know, to, to sort of ask the questions that discover someone's focal point, who they yes. are and where, where they're coming from. Yes, uh, absolutely. It'll be a great way to, to network. It'll be a great way to, to meet new people. It'll be a great way to get new work. Um, great. Excellent. Um, so again, janewaltonconsulting.com. 
We can learn all about Business by Design. We can learn all about Jane. You can connect with her there. Jane Walton, thank you very much again for sharing your knowledge here at Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks for having me. It's always, I'm a big fan of yours and what you're doing. It's always good to connect with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll have you back. We'll talk some more sometime. Sounds good. Hey, I encourage you to share this episode with a friend. It's the best way for you to help us get Entree Architect Podcast out to all of all of our friends. Yes, you can rate and, and, and review the podcast at iTunes. I would love that. But it's nothing. Nothing is more powerful than you sharing a link, a simple link to entrearchitect.com slash episode 206 for this episode. Share it to one friend. That is how we're growing. We're growing organically one episode at a time, one listener at a time. entrearchitect.com slash 206. I ask you to do that as a favor to me and to all the profession because that's what we're doing here. We're sharing our knowledge so the profession gets better. So entrearchitect.com slash episode 206. And don't forget to download our free course, Profit for Small Firm Architects. It's free at entrearchitect.com slash free course. Go there now and download that course. It's a free video course, step-by-step, teaches you how to build a profitable architecture firm. It's not junk. It's not something you're going to throw away. It's something you're you're going to use. You're going to rebuild the way you plan for profit with your firm. It's very valuable and it's free to you at entrearchitect.com slash free course and enrollment for Entree Architect Mastermind groups. They're opening soon. So if you're interested, I know a lot of people have been asking me when, when is Entree Architect Mastermind groups going to open again? They want to be members of a mastermind group at Entree Architect. So watch our social media. It's coming soon later this month or come back here at Entree Architect podcast. I'm going to announce it on social media and here on the podcast. This is the most powerful membership program we offer, the Entree Architect Mastermind Groups. Sharing knowledge, setting goals, finding accountability for your progress, this is where you'll find it. You'll find it at Entree Architect Mastermind. Stay tuned for more information. I just wanted to let you know it's coming this month, February 2016. Whoa, 2016, I'm two years behind here. 2018, February 2018, Entree Architect Mastermind is going to open for enrollment. Watch social media. My name is Mark Arlapage, and I am an entrepreneur architect, and I encourage you to go build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, and share what you know. Share what you know. Share what you know. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. (laughs) 
season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There's a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.